What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Hey, look, can we show some love to our Fathom family that's at home maybe today? Maybe fighting sickness or quarantining for whatever different things in their life. We're so thankful uh, that, that you're here with us too. Uh, a crazy story. A couple years ago, when I say couple, it was like a lot of years ago. Uh, Taryn and I, right after we got married, we were a young adult and worship pastors at a church. And so we did, did music and did like college and career age. And, and uh, we're, we're blessed to have a really fun ministry there. And one of the guys was a pilot and he was like 19 or 20. He was in like the ROTC program in the college. And, uh, but he had been flying since he was like 14. So he had been flying planes longer than he had been driving. So he only been driving like a few years, but he had been flying at this point, like six or seven years. And so he'd been pressing us, hey, when I have my dad's plane at the airport, like let's let's go out for a trip. And Taryn and I were like, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Like I trusted him. He'd been flying longer than I'd drive, get in the car with him. So um, simple enough, right? And so we, uh, we met him at the airport that day and uh, hopped in the plane with him. And he got us up to a cruising altitude, you know, just like a normal, we're in a little Cessna, gets us up to a good cruising altitude, takes us around the city real quick, uh, it was a small town, and then he uh, looks to me and he goes, you want to see something cool? And um, just uh, as a word of, of warning, if you're ever in the air um, with a young college age pilot who thinks he's Top Gun, um, and he asks you the question, do you want to see something cool? The answer you should give him is no. <laughs> I didn't have that wisdom on my side. And so I'm like, yeah, of course I want to see something cool. And so he proceeds to take the plane directly up while fidgeting in his uh, console there. It's just like literally him here, me there. Taryn is in like the little, little back seat area. And he's taking us straight up in the air while he's digging out a flashlight from his console. And he goes straight up for, you know, 30 seconds or something. And then he goes, he looks at me and then he cuts the engine off while we're going straight up like this and drops the flashlight. And the flashlight's just hovering while we're plummeting to our death, right? (laughs) So we're just like, we're here and we're just like, whoa. And then he tries to kick on the engine and the engine does not come on the first time. I vividly remember this, but then it comes back on the second time. And then our hearts are just dropped, like terrified. And then I think he did it again after that because I'm like, okay, now I know it's coming. Yeah, he did it, he did it a second time. Taryn's like, yep, I remember that. Did it a second time. So you guys know the answer is no to that. Well, that wasn't uh, the end of our adventure. He decided to, there was like some fields that he liked to go in and just like get down as low to the ground in these open fields and then come up to the trees as close as he could and then yank the wheel. wheel is it a wheel? Is it that what you call it? And a, a pl- yanks it to pull us up and we're in a Cessna, right? It's not a pressurized or a depressurized uh, uh, aircraft here. No, we're feeling every G that is happening as fast as he can go in this thing and pulling it up. And he did it time and time and time again. And so eventually it gets to the point and Taryn slaps me on the arm and she's like, he's got to slow down. And so I slap him on his arm and like, you need to slow it down. And so he does it like two more times and, I'm, and, and she hits me again a little bit harder this time and says, no, 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 it, like we need to stop this thing now. And so he does it one more time and then she's like, I'm done. 
put this thing on the ground. And so he circles around and gets the picture. Mama's like, done, we're all done, right? And so uh, he got the picture. And uh, as he comes to, to just begin to land us on that airstrip uh, in that small town, as the wheels hit the ground, Taryn's wheels of her stomach had been going very far too long. And uh, she's like, I'm going to be sick. And I hear this and I turn around and I just had a natural reaction to go like this. (laughs) And I just received it. (laughs) And I looked at him and then I looked at her and I said, I love you so much. And uh, he's never really been able to live that down and feels bad about it to this day. We were thankful to make it safely to the ground uh, that day. Uh, I've learned many years later, one, to say no when a pilot says you want to see something cool. Um, I've also uh, learned that in, in flying, there's something known as attitude. Uh, we're in the series called Attitude Adjustment. And attitude has to do with the orientation of the plane on its axis in reference to the horizon. And so there's different controls, right? There's a pitch control that has the nose of the plane that goes back and forth. That's part of it. And then the other is the bank control to go left and right. And what these two things on these two X and Y axis, if you will, of the plane, the wings and the cabin of of the plane make up the attitude of the plane. And And it's in reference to the horizon And so I I want to talk to us today uh, with a message entitled Hungry for the Horizon, because I think a a lot of us here today, um, our attitude started off good, right? At the beginning of the trip, whether that was uh, a certain day this week uh, or at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the week, and we started out good, but then things change, right? It doesn't stay the same. Uh, We start feeling the G-forces and the pressure of our job. We start feeling the pressure of the up and down that we've experienced in our spiritual life and our emotional life. We, we begin to feel those things and then we begin to feel nauseous and like, I'm, I'm done with this thing. But we've got to have the right attitude. And, and we've had some moments in which the atmosphere outside can throw off our attitude. It can throw off the axis of our plane in reference to the horizon, our destination that God has called us to in Christ Jesus. So I want to explore this idea of having the right attitude and being hungry for the horizon as we take another step in our journey in this series called Attitude Adjustment, in which we're talking about the Beatitudes. And if you weren't with us last week, I really encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to watch it or listen to it online, do so. Those are a resource for you. They're not a replacement for being together as the body of Christ. We need one another. The church is not just a resource. It's a body. It's a fellowship of believers united together on mission with God. Amen. And so it's, it's a resource for us. It's not a replacement. But use those resources if you're out of town, if you're sick, if you can't be here. Hey, we love you. And we want you uh, to, to stay connected to what God's doing. And it helps in a series of things to kind of keep up with the whole message, particularly that Jesus is giving us here in the Beatitudes. And so uh, we've been looking at a couple things that I mentioned last week is one, these are attitudes of becoming or attitudes of being. These are attitudes that should be happening in our life evermore. And so we must move, as I talked about last week, from admiring the Beatitudes. Like, these are great ideas, Jesus. Cool. 
um, to actually embodying them, moving through this process. We talked about that last week. I won't belabor that today. The other thing I really mentioned, I think it's important that we're all on the same page about, is that we don't get to pick and choose which ones we're called to embody. Jesus is saying, this is the attitudes that we are to embody if we're to be his disciples and his kingdom and to be called the sons and daughters of God, to, to inherit the earth, uh, to, to be comforted, these are part of what um, we're, that we're going to begin to embody in our life. And so I pray as, as we go through this that we really take it in and take it to heart and really understand that, that God is uh, taking us deeper and deeper to be a reflection of him in this earth. So the two verses we're going to look at today is this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or they shall be satisfied, some translations say. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled uh, meekness, right? Uh, that's an exciting topic that we would like to embrace in our life. Not <laughs> meekness. That's something we really admire in our culture, right? No, we, we don't even admire that in our spiritual leaders. We'd rather it be a, someone who can make us laugh, right? And somebody who's a CEO and an admiral that what we think that is. And and, and Jesus moves deeper into uh, what's happening inside of us. But here he begins to move us to our interactions with one another, that blessed are the meek. Our culture really idolizes those who are the opposite of that, who are brash and abrasive and who take the bull by its horns. And what we don't realize in, embr- in embracing those same ideals and personality types, we've, we're moving further away from the person of Jesus. Even in our own being, in our own natural personality tendencies, we can be, find those away from the character and attitude of Jesus that he calls us to take on and to begin to embody. And so we must begin to think about this a little bit differently, but let's break down what exactly is meekness. Do you ever hate when um, someone says, like, let's define that, and then they start with what it's not? Okay, I'm going to do that. I think it's important that we understand what meekness is not, because I think that really begins to build the basis for what it is. Um, First of all, meekness is not weakness. It's not weakness. It's not um, being easily pushed around. That, that's not meekness. It's this place in which maybe if it's an emotion of anger, right? It, it, we can be angry, but as uh, the psalmist David said in, in Psalm chapter 4, and Paul repeated it, in your anger, do not sin. It's, it's being meek to be able to handle that anger in a way that reflects the goodness and character of God. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It's fully relying upon the power of God. Meekness is not weakness. It's fully surrendered and submitted to God's sovereign power in our life. That's where meekness really begins. In what did Jesus say? Poverty of spirit, poor in spirit. It actually starts there before God, but we don't stay in that place, right? We, We move into this place of meekness where it's actually strength under control, That's what he's calling us to. And it's not a personality type. Some of us, we may identify in our own personality type as, hey, yeah, I can be a pushover at times. 
or others may say, I can push others over at times. It's, it's neither of those. It's not being a pushover or someone who pushes others over. It's, it's strength under control, like a wild horse that's been tamed to do its job. This is what God calls us into. This is what Jesus is inviting his followers to understand that, that the moving forward of his kingdom and our opportunity to lead in it and to carry that forward into all the world will not be out of our strength. It will not be because we have control. It'll be because we're submitted to a God who's always in control, right? And so we find ourselves in that place. And, and what Jesus is doing is he's calling him, calling us to be like him in this. There's, there's a, a few places in scripture in which Jesus, like we're observing Jesus's character and his personality and his attitude. There's a few times in which Jesus blatantly tells you, tells us, this is who I am. Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. And then he says, for I'm gentle or I'm meek and I'm humble in spirit. I'm gentle in spirit. He's saying I'm meek. So, so what does it mean? It means to be gentle. Uh, this is not something that came naturally for me. Um, my wife, uh, Taryn, um, she, uh, when we first got married and, and she, she doesn't have to remind me as much now as she used to, but I would, just the way I would treat her and the way I would speak to her at times was not gentle. I just was, I was more brash and I would just say what was on my mind. And she would just look at me and she goes, babe, I'm a delicate flower. You gotta, you gotta talk to me gently. And so I've, I've learned to not only meet her in that, but I've learned that this is actually a biblical quality that I'm called to be fostering. And so she's helped me foster that. At times when uh, I I hurt her, but it was um, all the time, it was teaching me a biblical principle. And most of us, uh, that we would find ourselves to be a little bit wild stallions. There's a lot of rebellious Christians. Can I just be honest? It's not in my notes today, but some of us, we need to deal with our rebellion. We've got a rebellious spirit in us and it needs to be dealt with. We don't care uh, what our boss says. We go around and we talk about them behind their back immediately. We're just saying we're going to do what we want. We don't care what the government, you know, tax laws are. We're just going to do our own thing. We're just going to move through. And it's actually a rebellious spirit in us that needs uh, to be dealt with. Uh, to be meek is a willingness to submit under proper authority and godly authority. It shows a willingness within us to disregard our own rights. This is where some of us are going to get comfortable because there's this big political co- conversation about our rights, right? And that's really not where I'm going today is to talk about our rights. In fact, all weekend, probably like many of you, um, all day yesterday, I just thank God for the freedom that we have in this country. And I just thank God for those who have sacrificed so much. Um, it was a heavy, somber weekend for me. I don't know about for you. I'm just thinking about where I was on that day and uh, what we were going through. Um, but what Jesus teaches us to, to do and, and it, when it comes uh, to our life of faith, walking with God and serving others, is what we see in Philippians chapter two, right? What did God do with his rights? What did Jesus do with his rights? They considered him nothing. Uh, let, let's look at this. Do not look, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And looking not uh, to your interests, 
uh, but, and, and not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others, right? Um, not, just my, not just my thoughts and what I think is best, my ideas or opinions on what should be done, but I'm actually looking at uh, that to others. In your relationships with one another, right? This is what Jesus is moving to. Not just, yeah, I'm meek in spirit, but I treat everybody like a jerk. And I run people over. Not meek in spirit where I'm just willing to be run over. No, no, no. What did Jesus do? Who being in his very nature, God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He gave up his rights. He gave up his authority. And he made, took on the, the form of a servant. And so I would just ask us in very blunt fashion, are you better than Jesus? That we're unwilling to, to give up our rights Hey, no, no, God, I, I, I get to do this my way. I, I'm just going to ignore what these scriptures say, and I'm just going to do my own thing. See, we're wild stallions that need to come under submission of Jesus Christ. He's the head, and we together collectively are the body. And, and I would just submit that the reason the church is not having as large of an impact as it could have, and it's having a phenomenal impact in the world right now. It is. The church is moving forward, but it's not by anything we've done. I would say the reason we're not having as big of impact is starts with being Christians being fully submitted to God. And then understanding what it looks like to come up under spiritual authority in that submission as well. And so we, we must understand, I, I love this quote from William Booth. He says, the greatest, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. Surrendering ourselves to God. We, we see many examples of this, but we've got to have the, the right attitude because where does this lead to? What did Jesus say? Blessed are the meek for they'll what? Anybody remember the word? Inherit the earth. Do you work for an inheritance? Is that, is that like your retirement or is that? No, we, it's something we receive. It's, it's gifted to us. So many would actually say, well, I earned that inheritance. <laughs> no, no, that's not how an inheritance works. A person chooses to bequeath to give it to you. And it's a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, just because you start acting meek and we start taking all these, doesn't mean we're going to earn our way to the horizon to inherit the earth. No, it's, it's an inheritance. It's a gift given to us. See, Jesus is not only preparing us for life on this earth and how he wants us to represent his very nature, meekness, strength under control. Jesus lives that out in such vivid fashion as he kneels in the garden and says, not my will, but yours be done, knowing that it cost him his entire life. And most of us, actually all of us, we have a point, I will trust God to that point, but then there's a pressure point and we will not go past it. And that's, a, that's the place we need to begin to, to look at to surrender. So we got to have the right attitude of meekness in reference to the horizon because God is preparing us to inherit the earth, to be co-heirs with him in new creation. And so that's a whole different sermon for a whole different day. But I figured I'd throw this out there. So it's meekness towards God. It's meekness towards one another. It's, it's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, as Ephesians chapter 5, 21 tells us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Set your rights aside. Set your ideas and opinions aside so that God may be glorified in our unity, not in our divisiveness. So we've got to begin to dig closer into what Jesus means by this. And this, this where the, the rubber hits the road when it comes to an attitude of meekness, 
is when our stomach is turning, when the G-forces of life, of the ups and downs are getting to us, uh, when the atmosphere is throwing off our attitude. Pilots will tell you, you have to have the right attitude in spite of the atmospheric conditions. And I would say we got to have the right attitude regardless of the political conditions, regardless of the cultural conditions. We must have the attitude of Jesus Christ if we are to inherit the earth. Are you with me today? Understand where I'm at? All right, let's, let's move to the next one and begin to work our way through this idea of hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to get that deep voice, like, um, you know, that kind of voice. And I need a little bit of water, if you don't mind, babe, if, you, if somebody can help me with just some water. It's kind of getting a little raspy up here singing and then uh, preaching. Oh, yeah. This has got lots of oils in it. Let me see. Let me test my... No, no, no. We're good. We're good, ladies. Yeah, thank you. You're awesome. You're awesome. I'm trying to, trying to test my, my nostrils. I think that means I don't have COVID. I can smell something. So That is cold. That is very cold. Okay, I'll just keep this up here for right now. Um, sorry about that. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, let's look at this idea of hunger and thirsting for righteousness. So uh, last weekend after church, um, we hadn't seen my, my in-laws for a while. My father-in-law has been battling COVID pneumonia and he's doing much better. He's a pastor. He's still, I think, is he preaching today for the first time? Yeah, so he still hasn't been able to preach. So please pray for them. Please pray for all of our like churches and pastors who have lost their pastor. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible, like what grieving we, we just, just have with churches across our city and across our nation that are losing their spiritual leaders and spiritual fathers. Like it, breaks, it breaks my heart, um, but, but please lift, lift him up. He's doing better. But we went to see them. He, he's been, you know, uh, negative here for a while. And so we, we went over to see them for uh, Labor Day, hung out, and, you know, her, Taryn's mom, like she'll, she just feeds me and feeds everybody, and just there's meals just around the clock, and so we got home uh, late, uh, you know, mid-late afternoon on uh, Monday, and nobody was really hungry right away. So it was like time to start dinner. And Taryn's like, if nobody's really that hungry, then I'm not going to go into this. So we, we do uh, an audible that we call chill out dinner. Um, you may have a different name for it. That just means anything goes. Like you figured out mama ain't cooking, daddy's not, you know, um, doing anything. And so you, you figure it out. So we, we did a chill out dinner. And so Camden, our seven-year-old, he loves to make eggs. Like he gets up every morning. He makes eggs over medium and like over easy. And he just makes like sunny side. He'll do, he'll do whatever. He just, he just realized that um, you can do scrambled eggs. He's like, oh, that's how you do. That's so easy. He's like, that's, that's awesome. He's been doing all the other ones. He's seven years old. I didn't do that till like college or something. But um, anyway, so he made eggs and Taryn had like a charcuterie board with just like apples and crackers and, you know, different, you know, ham and turkey and stuff, but just a healthy platter. And, and Beckett had um, spaghetti and meatballs, um, you know, leftovers. And then, and then Elisha, our daughter, she's five. She, she goes, I want cereal. Like she went straight to some Cheerios. And, and after a few minutes, I, I said, I think I, I think I want cereal too. That's not a good. I, I used to have a real problem. Like I called myself a connoisseur, but really I was just a, addicted to cereal. At one point when it was just Taryn and I, I went into our pantry and I kid you not, Taryn had one box that was hers. I had 13 boxes that were mine. Right. And like eight of them are like outdated, like way outdated. And they've got that much in it. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I used to have a promise, but I haven't eaten cereal in a long time, but it just sounded good to me in the moment. And I said, I'll have cereal. Well, a few minutes later, 30, 40 minutes later, everybody's time to go to bed. 
So everybody goes to bed. And Elisha goes, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. And we're like, oh, are you serious? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? We're like, come on. You're telling me right now at bedtime when I'm sending you to bed, I don't believe it, right? And, uh, but I, it made sense to me. She had had cereal. It didn't really fill her up. And so we gave her little crackers and sent her on to bed. And, um, and about 30 minutes later, I start thinking, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> Nobody else had anything to say. Camden had protein. He had eggs. Taryn had a nice charcuterie healthy board. Um, uh, Beckett had spaghetti and meatballs. But the ones who were going to survive off of a snack were hungry. And this is where so many of us are spiritually. And we can talk about what the world tries to fill themselves with, but we need to talk about how we're settling for a snack in here. How we're okay with, with, with just something that'll wet our, wet our appetite, but then we wake up the next morning and we're just as hungry as we were the night before, spiritually. Right, And it's not just sex, drugs, and rock and roll that we try to fill ourselves with either. We try to fill ourselves with work, performing. We, we, we try to fill ourselves with more content, right? We try to fill ourselves with, with Amazon boxes showing up in the door. Maybe the next house redo will be the last one that finishes all projects. And then three months later, I'm, it, it's not enough. It's not enough. Constantly looking for things to fill us and we just end up hungry. And what does Jesus tell us? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they're going to be filled. This can be a real game changer in our life if we'll begin to understand and get hungry for the horizon that is God himself and not the hungry of the horizon of the next raise or the next house or the next you know, grand adventure, the, the, the hungry for the horizon, that is Jesus Christ. And so we, we've got to begin to ask ourselves, what am I really hungry for? And we got to talk about what is righteousness anyway. The scriptures are pretty interesting, really beautiful. And I can do a, a long teaching on that another day and, and have many times. But today I'll just keep it really simple and then share three verses that I think can help encapsulate scripture's entirety of what righteousness is. Very simple, like Kyle's definition. You're not going to find this in a theological commentary. They're going to put very verbose, but it's right thinking and right actions according to God. Don't forget that according to God, right? Because we think we have right actions. We think we have right thinking according to God. And, and essentially it's perfection. And the word perfect is really troubling it's really troubling in the New Testament. It often gets translated. Um, we'll see uh, actually in Leviticus as well as in the New Testament, the scriptures tell us, be perfect for I'm perfect. You'll read this and, and you'll be like, I remember reading that. And I'm like, do what? Be perfect. Can't be perfect. Do you want to hear perfect? You might be perfect. No, we, we all really can't be Perfect but there's this calling to be made perfect in Christ. And some of that's going to be completed on this side. And really the understanding of that word, um, uh, that, that's a, a root of teleosa. It really means complete. It really means fullness to be <clears throat> satisfied, if you will. And so this pursuit, the hunger that we begin to long for is, is something that we really cannot fully attain to on this life 
outside of Jesus Christ. Let me look at a couple of scriptures. I don't know if I put these in there. I think maybe we did. Yeah, Jeremiah 33, um, 16 is the first one I want to look at. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this um, is the name by which it will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So what is righteousness? The righteousness is the Lord. Let's look at the next one. Um, here in Isaiah 64, 6. Uh, but we are like an unclean thing and our righteousness are like filthy rags. We, we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away, right? We're, we're flawed, right? And God being righteous and holy for us to be in relationship with him, uh, there must be a sacrifice and we'll, we'll save some of that teaching for another time. But look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become, right? Being, becoming, it's a process, the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God. So, right? Are you confused? Right? The Lord is our righteousness. What we bring to the table is not enough. It's like filthy rags. I'll save the illustrations on that one today. But we are called to become the righteousness of God through the finished work of Jesus. He's the one who's perfect, who's perfecting in us his righteousness, his right thinking, his right actions, his attitudes of meekness, his poverty of spirit that he displayed when he came and he made himself nothing to be sin for us. Hope you're tracking with me there. So, so what exactly does that mean that we should hunger and thirst for righteousness? We should hunger for him who is our righteousness. We, we should hunger and thirst for the horizon, the finish, the perfect end. Get, get our attitude set on the horizon that is being satisfied and filled in him to set ourselves to be hungry, to do God's will and, and to have our minds renewed as we looked at in the past series, that we might think and see situations and people. And I know this can feel like, oh man, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, it is, but it happens in little moments. It happens in little moments. Like I'm not harsh with my wife anymore. I did a couple weeks ago and I got in trouble on it and it, st- it still does not work. <laughs> But I find myself, she doesn't have to remind me anymore that she's a delicate flower, right? I begin to take those and embody those things more and more. And Jesus says in, in, in Matthew chapter six, like literally the next chapter, if you'll seek first, right? If you'll seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom and his righteousness, not your righteousness, you trying to do everything right. No, no, no. That's not going to end out well for you. No, no, seeking his kingdom, not your kingdom, his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you. Um, I don't know if anybody's a designated pack the car up to head out of town or on vacation, right? Anybody? Who's, who's, who's my designated pack the car up? Single folks like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's me. It's definitely me. I'm that person in my house. And so um, I know what those of you who just raised your hand understand is that in order to get everything in there, especially with a family of five, in order to get it all in there, the big suitcases got to go first in the back. 
If you don't do it like this, right, and you try to get everything stuffed in there with your life, right? Pick all the aspects of your life, all the things that you want for the future, and you start shoving them in there, and then you've pulled this thing that's the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we're like, there's not room. It's the weekend, there's just not room in my schedule. And we wait till the end of the month and we realize there's no room in our budget. And we realize at the end of the day when we, we're, we, we should have prayed today. We should have like read the word like I'm too tired. There's no room to fit it in. Anybody experience this in trying to pursue God? And just like, there's never enough room. Jesus told us that's because you got to put me first. And our priority will determine the capacity that we have in our life. Seek him first, put him first, and everything else is going to be lined up just fine. And the things that don't make it at the very end, come on, you get that moving truck, you get everything, get the biggest stuff in there. And then at the very end, if it ain't fitting in there, it don't need to be in there, right? They're the last things. We must get first things first. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his promise to us is that you're not going to have to get up and keep going for more snacks and settling for snacks. Things that ultimately are not going to satisfy you anyway. So we must find ourselves satisfied in Jesus and pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness. I want to ask you as the band comes and begins to do something back there, um, begins to just ask you, where's your attitude today? Um, where's your attitude? Have you struggled just being a pushover and like not really kind of know you've just grown resentful towards your boss or to your spouse or to your siblings, to your friends? Just push over and just take it. Have you been one who pushes others over and God's calling us to really be transformed to his image so that we may inherit the kingdom or inherit the earth? Can I ask you, what are you hungry for today? I'm guessing about 30 minutes here, 40 minutes here coming up. Uh, we're, we're in morning time right now. You're going to be hungry. You're, you're going to want more than a snack. You're going to want something that satisfies your soul. What are the things you've been trying to fill the void with? Can we be real? Can we take, can we take an inventory before we move any further? Just take an inventory. What are those things you've been trying to fill? Me, it was cereal on Monday night, right? On a very physical level. But I've tried to do it with work. Try to do it with women. Try to do it with success. Try to do it with stuff and accomplishments. Tried to do it with ministry. None of it ever. It won't fill you. But what will? What changes everything? when I let him be my righteousness and I pursue him not pursuing him for what I can get from him but pursuing him for who he is his kingdom and his righteousness and that's the life I, I, I pray that you'll begin to just adjust towards and as we pray today I just go ahead and stand with me stand with me I just want you to close your eyes There's nothing super spiritual to that. It just helps um, with kind of t- tuning out in distractions and really tuning into our heart. 
and what God's speaking to us. And I'm just going to be quiet for a minute and just ask you to pray and let God reveal in this moment, God, where have I been trying to satisfy hurt? God, where's my attitude gone off? Holy Spirit, point us to where you want to prune. Point us to our iniquities. Point us to the places that we've fallen short, that we've, we've looked for quick fixes. When you want to do something far deeper, God, help us. We, we need your help because we're born into this personality that, God, you want to tame and bring up under your sovereign power that we may be useful in your kingdom. God, would you help us, humble us, bring us to be strength under control. Those who are not hungering for the things of this world, but we're hungry for more of you, God. As we sang earlier today, just come and rest on us. You're all we want, God. You're all we want. The band's going to lead us in a song that just says, make room. And I, I pray that that would be your prayer today. Say, God, would you just help me make room for you, for whatever you want to do in this moment. And I pray that you don't let this moment slip by for what God is trying to do and lead us into, because it affects the horizon that he's taken us to, that he's called us to, that he's destined us to. I'm going to be up here. would love to pray with you. If there's anything I can just pray with you about, we'd love to. Ben, would you lead us today? And let's just lean in, make room for God to have his way. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, fathom beyond sunday and there you'll find our new podcast you'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations just taking the truth of god's word from our sunday sermon a step further talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between monday and saturday not just on sunday we love you we're praying for you and we hope you'll tune in again soon